0: Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, bismillah, uh, good evening ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to welcome you to our webinar, uh, we have a wonderful program uh, scheduled for today, we'll start like always, we'll try to start on time, I uh, just wanted to make uh, mention that next week, uh, unfortunately there will be no class, so we will continue the week after, uh, you'll get a reminder via uh, emails, and uh, also now you can find our uh, webinar online on youtube if you google dawa 101 you'll be able to find our webinars online so but however please don't do that yet wait after this uh summit sem- uh, after this webinar okay, this session, start now. then you'll be able to so i'm going to hand over oh, to I'm our I'm imam so who is I'm going to be presenting his I'm name little is little Jawa, little and little he's little going little to little present now, say bismillah
1: Imam Jawad, yeah, you're I'm ready I'm to I'm go. as alaikum. Inshallah, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, we'll be talking about some principles of Da'wah. One of the basic principles in terms of the etiquettes is to, there are certain prerequisites for a dai and da'i also, we need to know the audience, and also how to engage in our audience. Um, One of the aspects of uh, da'wah is having open-ended questions. And then uh, those open-ended questions lead us to a conversation and dialogue. And um, we here at Islam have developed a skill called STRAW. So we'll go over that also very quickly. What STRAW stands for? So first of all, some of the prerequisites that are important for a da'i, if you want to give da'wah to others about Islam, Number one, knowledge, uh, ilm, which is very essential, um, even though the hadith talk about me, even if it's just one ayah, applies to all and everybody can give da'wah. But it is a good idea to constantly increase our knowledge uh, ilm, in terms of giving da'wah. And then second thing, when it comes to giving da'wah, a prerequisite that has to be is soft hearted being tender, gentle, kindness, lean. Um, this is from the ayah uh, in the Quran, Surah Al-Imran, Allah said about Prophet Muhammad Sallam, مِنَ الله It is from the mercy of Allah that you were kind and gentle to them. الْقَلْبِ Had you been uh, stiff-hearted and hard-hearted, then, O Prophet, people who have run away from you, Third prerequisite is having wisdom, which means basically knowing your audience, their background, their culture, their values, giving examples to relate to them, uh, because if we do not relate to the target audience that we're talking to, then they would not be able to absorb the message we are delivering to them. And, of course, when giving da'wah, a lot of hurdles and obstacles come, a lot of issues come with the person who's listening and they might argue or debate. So patience or sabr is a very important prerequisite for a da'i and daya in order to engage in da'wah. And what basically that means is that we do not lose our temper or cool or calmness. We try to listen more and not react to the person. And last but not the least, and very important, is morality or haya. Because if we are giving da'wah to others while we do not practice, obviously that would create confusion in the recipient and they would not be able to understand why is this dichotomy. Uh, just like Allah says in the Qur'an, أَتْعْمَرُونَ النَّاسَ بِالْبِرِ الْكِتَابِ is in Surah Baqarah, Allah is saying that you uh, order other people with righteousness and piety and goodness, while you, um, uh, yourself, you forget about it and you read the book, you recite the book. So, obviously, Allah there is saying that there has to be conformity between character and behavior and whatever we are telling others to about it. Um, when it comes to the issue of knowing your audience, we have to, of course, relate to some American culture, American lifestyle, uh, cliches, proverbs, um, American, uh, you, know, you can say habits and things that we can give examples of in order for people to relate to it. Uh, like Allah said in the Quran that he did not send a messenger to people except in their lisan. Uh, except in their tongues. So obviously uh, we have to master certain aspects such as analogy, use it as a tool, customize it, build on similarities between them because if we give them uh, uh, things from the outside of this country, for example from Italy or Africa or Asia, it wouldn't connect with them. So the whole aspect of knowing your audience is to connect with your audience, relate to them. Uh, think of, you know, we've been living here in America for a lot of time, so we can understand many of the culture, and traditions, and values of American lifestyle and the American culture, and try to use that, uh, you know, uh, occasions and celebrations and whatnot have you in this country. So that builds with your audience a rapport, and rapport is very important. Another aspect is that we have to drive the conversation, meaning when it comes to giving dawa. If we were yeah, just Iman listening Jawaid. and the other is talking, Jawaid. that's really not dawah, that's like passive dawah. Proactive dawah is where we are engaging with the person, we're driving the conversation, we're asking questions, understanding their answers and concerns, and then uh, likewise relating to them and giving them. So one of the uh, golden rule of uh, giving dawah is that whenever a person asks a question, We don't just simply answer that. Yes, brother. Hello?
0: No, go ahead, continue,
1: sorry. Can you all see my screen? Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yes, we can see your screen. Can you continue? Thank okay. you,
1: Sami. So one of the important aspects of uh, DAVA is finding an opportunity in the dialogue and conversation. Um, whatever the question the person may have asked us, uh, we should find an opportunity to connect with them and uh, connect any aspect of the Islamic belief system, the tenets, the practices, the rituals, you know, the five pillars of Islam or the articles of faith. Um, that is one of the ways of engaging with the person. Um, another good way of a skill set of da'wah is to start off with the person that, what do you know about Islam? Open-ended questions always help us open-ended questions always help us in understanding the mindset, the psyche of the person, what they are thinking, you know, what they know already about Islam, what they don't know, where are they at? And so basically it helps uh, us, the da'i, to build a conversation, a dialogue from the amount of knowledge. If somebody tells us, I don't know anything about Islam, then you know you can start from scratch. Let's say you say, ask somebody, what do you know about Islam? They say, Oh, yeah, I know Ramadan, I know fasting, or I know that black box to be there in Saudi Arabia. So it gives you an idea if the person has some uh, background information about Islam and its practices and rituals, and you can use that to build up on it, inshallah. Um, because these open ended questions uh, help stare some kind of curiosity in the person remember brothers and sisters dawah is all about creating curiosity in the mind of the person we are not here to guide anybody we cannot convert anybody guidance is in the hands of Allah Allah is the one who guides people Uh, and we are only to deliver the message hence we have to deliver the message in such a way that it creates some kind of curiosity and thirst for truth in the heart and mind of the person. Once that curiosity is created because of our skills and tips and strategies that we use to talk to the person, to converse with them, to dialogue with them, that curiosity will then lead them in the search for truth. If you remember the uh, story of the Sahabi Salman al-Farisi, who came from the Persian Empire. You know, his story is very amazing because his story is really about the search of truth. He was searching and searching and his search for truth led him all the way to come from Persia, all the way to Medina and he camped over there and was waiting uh, for the prophet to come. And then he, you know, this whole, his whole story shows how his curiosity of what is really the truth uh, helps him reach a certain, And from experience of people who have converted to Islam, I can tell you from experience, majority of the people who have developed curiosity in their minds and hearts um, to find the truth and and nothing but the truth, they then settle down on it and and find peace and find uh, tranquility in Islam. Now, there's a code, a mnemonic code that we have uh, developed. uh in y islam which is called straw now let me allow me to explain to you what uh that refers to um s stands for al Mustaqim, or the straight path the reason we came up with straw is because straw is a tool a device with which you consume fluids or drinks into your mouth now obviously you have to suck onto a straw and and therefore you then actively uh, digest that material that you are sucking into and comes into your mouth. So basically, that whole philosophy of straw is is where the person, the non-Muslim, is desiring the truth, and they would uh, use this to consume or to absorb the information of Islam. And it's easier to remember the straw strategy uh, because everybody uses straw in their daily life and it clicks in the mind. Now, how does it come up with? Uh, You can use this strategy anywhere in your dawah field, whether you're giving dawah face-to-face at a dawah booth or talking with your colleagues or friends anywhere at work or over phone even. So therefore, um, I'll explain how we develop this strategy based on the Quran and Sunnah. Uh, so obviously the s stands for the straight path which is the end goal of this the straw or the end goal of any dawah dialogue is to come on to the surat al-mustaqim and how do we reach surat al-mustaqim as a straight path is through traw the t stands for Tawheed, r stands for risala which is the messenger of the prophet and a stands for Akhirah. And the way we know about Torahi Ritzal Akhirah, TRA, is through Wahi, Revelation uh why he connects all three together now you may be wondering why are we only talking about three things what about the other aspects of islam see if people are in a rush people are in a hurry and they don't have time and, and at least you want to give the basic information you want to at least start off with the basic three tenets of islam which is the belief in one god Tawheed, the belief in the messenger of universality of prophet muhammad that he's a prophet for all mankind and all people and also to believe in life after death, no. The way we develop this is through the seed of and also from the Quran. If you look at the Makki surahs in the Quran, they are short and concise, straightforward verses. And majority of the focus in the Makki surahs and Makki verses of the Quran are on three major aspects: belief in one God, Tawheed, the messenger of Rasul, that He's a prophet for all mankind, not just the Arabs, and also to drive the recipient to the concept of life after death: that there's accountability, there's questioning. Also in the 13 years that Prophet Muhammad lived in Mecca and he was giving da'wah, his main focus was tawhid, and akhirah, TRA. And he did not talk about salah, zakat, those things were not even revealed. So that shows that Allah wants, wanted to build in the people the concept of Iman and faith, and for that, these three were the essential components, essential pillars. Uh, to bring people to the concept that there is only one God, no partner, no association to make the people realize that Prophet Muhammad is the last and final messenger and he has been sent for everybody, for all mankind, and to make people realize that this life is short and everybody's going to die. It's only a temporary life, and the real life is a life after death. And for that life, we have to work hard from this life in order to achieve that Akhirah. And wahi, or revelation of God, is the connector or the means through which we find out Tawahi, Risale and Akhirah. So basically this way we are able to deliver to the person in a compact, concise way the basic message. And obviously if the person has more time, we can then from here, as the springboard and launching pad from here, we can elaborate more on the other aspects like belief in know in the angels of God, belief in the uh, books of God, the scriptures, you know, belief in fate and predestination. And then, you know, the five pillars of Islam, what Muslims do, what they don't do, and all those things. So that is very important to understand. Um, Okay. Now, one of the aspects is to steer our conversation. Let's say somebody asked you a question about hijab. You know, why Muslims wear, Muslim women, why do they wear this thing on their head? Now if you if we answer them and just simply oh it's for modesty morality it is for chastity it's for you know piety and all that that's a simple you know basic answer for the question but if we um power pack our answer and embedding the answer on hijab and try to connect it to one of the uh so that will be a, a, a different strategy of giving the answer where we are answering the question of the person the questioner in such a way that we are luring them or enticing them or attracting them or directing them to the three basic beliefs uh, of, of Islam, which is Tawheed, Risa, and Akhirah. So, therefore, how would we do for hijab? Let's say somebody asks a question, you know, why Muslim women cover their head, or what is that called? We say that's hijab, and they cover, the reason they cover that because that is a show of their uh, allegiance to God, because God is the one who ordered us. So, the concept of Tawheed comes in that, you know. So it's not just something abstract or theoretical that I just believe in one God. I have to show that belief in one God in my actions, in my attire. So if God has ordained me to cover my hair, um, I'm talking about a woman, so therefore, I have to show that in my action that I believe in that one God and I honor His commandment and I honor and respect Him by uh, and my, uh, by covering my hair. And the second thing is, I am following the Risalah, the Messenger or Rasulullah because Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him told his wives and his all the Muslim women to cover their hair. So I'm following the Sunnah or I'm I am adhering, attesting to the fact that I firmly believe in the Messengership of Prophet Muhammad because He is the one who uh, or advise people on the pretext of the ordainment from god so you bring in Tawhid, you bring in risala and then the third aspect you bring in this question is look the reason i do this is because i believe in life after death i believe in akhira and i know that I will be questioned on the Day of Judgment that in the Quran there was an order to cover your hair, the hijab, and why didn't you do it? So because of my fear of accountability, or at least my uh, earning desire to meet God on the Day of Judgment, so I know I will be questioned, hence I do that as a practice. Uh, Because a lot of times people say, well, I see a lot of Muslim women not practicing hijab. Why do you practice hijab? So, I mean, just like this, uh, you can explain to them that look, those who are not practicing Muslims, they may be lacking in some uh, aspects of their belief system, or they may not have that firm um, commitment to Tawheed, to Risalah, or their linkage and bondage to God and to the Messenger of Allah, Prophet Muhammad, or they don't have that uh, desire to meet their Lord as earnestly as much as anyone else who does that. So this is just one example of hijab, how you can steer the conversation in such a way that you're connecting them to the three basic tenets of Tawheed, Risalah, and Nakhirah. Likewise, you can do for anything uh, in, in Islam, any of the other aspects that we have, inshallah. Now, sometimes we get into a brawl, we get into an argument with people, you know, they might counter argue or counter with you with a lot of things and back and forth in Dawah, one thing is very important, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, is that we have to avoid saying negative things of other religions. We should never um, uh, insult or humiliate or demoralize people's faith, people's practices. We should never mock at them or have sarcasm or make fun of that. Just like Allah says in the Quran, Surah An An, do not. Uh, Curse the people who call upon besides God uh, because they will then curse Allah in uh, animosity and hatred. So, by us uh, degrading their gods, even don't say, like, oh, you are a statue worshiper, idol worshiper, or you worship uh, non living things things like that so avoiding that and acknowledging that everybody has a right to choose their belief system nobody can be forced and you can bring in the ayah from the quran surah baqarah that allah said that there is no compulsion in islam there's no force in islam and anything because uh, truth is very clear and apparent from falsehood so therefore we can always uh, try to build on that that look we are only here delivering the message, we're not forcing anybody to believe in all of this. And very important thing when we are dealing with conflict is to build on similarities between the people, build on similarities between the faith, rather than pointing out differences, because pointing out differences creates rancor and jealousy and hatred, and therefore it doesn't really help uh dawah dawah is all about softness tenderness gentleness kindness dawah is all about uh, attracting the person you know with a smiling face facial expressions count you know bodily expressions count if we just go back to the prophetic dawah system that rasulullah had in mecca or medina he used to attract people he was like a magnet people got attracted to him even though they did all kinds of atrocities and torture to him they were aggressive to him but never, ever did he retaliate or seek revenge. And he always acknowledged the good in the people and tried to bring them through the good into the truth of Islam. So that is very important that we deliver the message in such a nice manner, a nice way that the person feels attracted uh, to the religion itself. Um, Very important. And um, obviously there are some tough questions in Islam. You know, you can, uh, They can be answered through um, uh, what you call wisdom and uh, using that same concept. A lot of times they will ask you these tough questions just to deviate you or, you know, uh, distract you or sidetrack you from the real thing. But remember, we have to bring them to the straw, you know, to the, the, the strategy and the tactic. Um, every organization has their own, you know, Ira has GORAP, so if somebody's comfortable with that, they can do that. Um, other organizations have theirs. Uh, we we really want to focus on Tawheed, Risar, and Akhra in the beginning part of the person talking to us so that they are able to understand the value and importance. Uh, because for 13 years in Mecca, uh, time and again, Rasulullah was just pounding on one thing, you know, Tawheed, oneness of God, no association, no partners, messenger of Rasulullah that He is a prophet for all mankind, like Allah said in Surah Araf, Surah Seven, "Kul ya Nas, Inni Say, "All oh human beings, I am a prophet of Allah to all of you." because the common misconception people have or perception they have is that Prophet Muhammad is just a prophet for Arabs or prophet for Muslims only. He's not a prophet for other people. But in fact, Allah said in the Quran very clearly in this ayah that I just recited that he is a prophet to all mankind. So he's a prophet to the Americans, to the Europeans, to the Australians, African, Asians, Chinese, everybody. And it is our job, our responsibility to deliver that messengership of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he's a prophet for you. And he relates to you, even though he came in Arabic and Quran was in Arabic, but the Quran has been translated to many different languages. So it's 9.25. That brings me to the end of my presentation. Um, And if somebody has any questions, we can take questions. I'll leave the slide on this straw strategy.
0: Okay, Zakallah Um <clears throat> Let me see. Okay, so if you, inshallah, if you have any questions, uh, please post your questions in the questions section. Uh, Sheikh, uh, can, can, you, can you address? Can you, can you hear me? Iman Jawad, can you hear me? You're welcome, Saddam. So, yeah, uh, you're not able to hear me on the microphone. So, I'm going to ask you a question here on,
1: on the microphone. I think you put yourself on mute. Why don't you open yourself? If you no, unmute yourself. Uh, okay. Can anyone else hear me?
0: Yeah, the, the, the audience can hear me as well. So, the question, uh, first question is. Uh, What happens when you are talking to someone about Islam and they become belligerent? What what should you do at that time?
1: The first question I've been told is that if somebody talks about Islam and they become belligerent, how do you deal with them? Uh, Like I said in my presentation, we deal with them with calmness and politeness, smile. Um, Of course, if it's going to such a case where it's going to become very, very provocative, then obviously we can uh, we can we can say peace and, and move out of that situation because we don't want to get physical or we don't want to get in any kind of situation where we, where the dialogue conversation becomes a fight. But obviously we can tell the person who, who is getting belligerent that look, um, we're not here to fight each other. We're not here to argue with each other. We're just trying to you know reason and understand with each other. And I mean no harm to you and therefore, you know, should not bring in Satan between us and try to get fighting. Why can't we just have civilized conversation between the two of us? And by using all these strategies and calmness and smile and coolness and showing them, look, you're getting hyper, your voice is racing up, you're yelling and shouting and screaming at me, but I'm not. So by making that person realize that you're calm and cool while they are not, uh, you try to calm them down. But if they still don't and they're adamant about it, then you can always walk away. Just like the ayah in the Qur'an, Allah says, mm-hmm. and when the ignorant people address them, they say peace or they move out of there in order to cool things down. Next okay,
0: question. Zahra khayy. Zahra khayy. Thank you. Um, so also, someone wanted to know, can you please explain uh, what you mean by pairing up? A brother you know like when I guess when you're giving dawah uh, you should go in pairs is that what
1: you're trying to say <laughs> no by pair I mean like if a brother is giving dawah is better that they give it to a male instead of a female in order to avoid the fitna and all that but yes a person can also uh, give the uh, dawah to the women also non-Muslim women but they have to be conscious about not letting shaitan come in between and not sidetrack from a dawah conversation to some other kind of conversation which may be you know considered as uh, immodest or immoral. So it's better for a female for a Muslim sister to give dawah to a non-Muslim woman and for a Muslim brother, a male, to do a male non-Muslim. But if circumstances need be and necessitate that a person has to talk to the opposite gender, then it is fine, but at the same time, they should constantly remind themselves and, you know, recite Istighfar in, in their heart, in their mind, so that Shaitan doesn't come in between the conversation uh, to lure them to something else other than Da'wah.
0: Okay. Thank you, and, and this is a big question, and, and sort of related because of the timing uh, nowadays, especially with the holidays are coming up. Uh, how do you channel these questions, you know, about Thanksgiving and Christmas and things of that nature? Uh, how do you channel that politely uh, in, in, in the form of a dawa conversation?
1: Um, you mean the questions about Thanksgiving, Christmas, and all the holidays? How to yes, channel sir. that to dawa? Yes, sir. If someone
0: is asking you know what's your plans for Thanksgiving uh, you know what you're going to be doing for Christmas kind of thing so
1: thanksgiving is very easy thanksgiving is giving thanks to Allah so we do not celebrate Christmas or Thanksgiving as per se so we do not have a specific uh, plan for that but yeah allow me please to explain to you what is the concept of thankfulness in, in Islam and then from there you can start off a dialogue conversation with the person that the real thing we give or the real are give thanks to god is on a daily basis and not once in a year and therefore we, we don't in islam we don't focus much on rituals we'd rather focus on the spirituality of the worship and everything has to be taken as a form of worship and therefore you you connect that to the concept of tawhid the look, we take whatever worship we have, or whatever celebrations or occasions we have, or rituals we have, it is ordained by God, God has revealed that in His Revelation, the Qur'an, which is the Holy Scripture of God, the last divine message, of God to mankind, and then you connect it to also the Risale, uh Messenger of Rasul Salam, that we practice and observe whatever the Prophet Muhammad told us to practice and that is what the Sunnah means or following his path means, anything that he did we do it, anything he did not do we stay away from So therefore, we are more connected to our Prophet Muhammad, uh, even though we don't see him, or we did did not see him, we don't meet him, but we are connected through our love and commitment and uh, for the Prophet Muhammad, hence we do um, practices of worship, what he has left behind for us. So if there is something that he has not, uh, celebrating birthdays of any Prophet, uh, is is not permissible, and regardless of the rituals that the world practices in december or, or, th- or November, our job is to focus on true worship, which is to increase a person in their spiritual um, desire and learning towards God. Um, main thing we need to focus uh, in this kind of a dialogue about holiday seasons and all that is that what is the purpose of all these rituals? What's the purpose of all these practices? What's the underlying principle and factor? You know, if the person is scratching their head and they can't answer, you tell them, well, according to Islam, the main underlying principle for all these things is connection to God. You know, we are here on this earth, we need a connection with God. So connection with God or the real purpose of any worship uh, for that matter in life is to have a strong bond and relationship with god you should feel the spirituality feel the warmth and sweetness of faith in your heart in your soul in your mind just like the quran tells us and just like the prophet Muhammad uh, alluded to it that the sweetness of faith is in terms of your connectivity with god so we should ask ourselves that what brings us closer and closer to god and we should practice that and it has to be justified or proven through revelation or wahi, you know, like so, whatever is mentioned through the Quran or through the Prophet's words, that is automatically proven as something substantial that we do practice. So, at the same time, we are not against this. I mean, you are practicing, you're most welcome, but we as a Muslim do not practice these things. Uh, we rather focus on spirituality of giving thanks all around the year every day all around the day and night and there are many ways that we give thanks in fact we can connect here with certain verses of giving thanks in the quran that allah has given so that will bring a a kind of food for thought for the person receiving the message so that they can uh, explore the quran you know we can even project to them that, you know, have you looked at this verse in the Quran or that verse about giving thanks to God, or have you looked at this verse about Jesus, the reality of Jesus, In during the December month, instead of talking about Christmas and Santa Claus, we can talk about the miraculous birth of Jesus mentioned in the Quran, the miracles of Jesus mentioned in the Quran, the purpose of Jesus, why did he come in the first place? What was his goal and motive? And so the 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 direction of the conversation can always be steered towards something fruitful and meaningful and relating it to the verses in the Quran. Obviously for that, somebody has to do an extra homework, like around Thanksgiving time, homework they need to do is to know on their fingertips the verses that talk about uh thankfulness in the quran like in surah ibrahim allah says if you give thanks to allah then he will increase you many many fold um uh, there's another verse. it talks about uh, prophet david daud al-islam so that connects to the biblical prophets and look the quran is also talking about a biblical prophet and the ayah over there it says O family of david show your thankfulness in action uh, in in their in physically through actions that you are thankful to god uh, so these things can be related into a nice dialogue conversation during this time
0: thank you um, another question is how would you uh, introduce the straw method into a conversation
1: well this straw method is basically for you the die or die is not to relate to the it's a tool given to the volunteers or given to the da'i or or the the person giving da'wah to start a dialogue or to to start a conversation and and give da'wah in a a, a systematic you know organized fashion it is not there to explain to the non-muslim what is straw what is tea what is r what is a rather you are developing and you're organizing your chain of thoughts your words your um, speaking power in such a way that you have a systematic way of going from one aspect to another so that is what the purpose of this is that you start off you have a launching pad you have a starting point to talk to somebody uh, because a lot of times uh, new volunteers or new dais when they come into the field they're like blank so like oh what should i talk about you know how should i give dawah where should i start about islam um, i get a lot of questions you know imam tell me If I want to start, what should be the first thing I talk to them? So this strategy helps people develop and organize themselves in such a way that they have a starting point to start off with. And then from here, they can further elaborate and expand on the other aspects of Islam, especially the six articles of faith. Because in this, we already have three articles of faith here. You know, life after death, Akhirah, Risalah, Messenger of Rasulullah, and Yastub, and Tawheed. So the other three can be also added on here. Thank
0: you, sir. Um, the question is for me to give dawah in an, um, like, how much, someone wants to know how much knowledge they should have to be able to give dawah.
1: Um, basic minimum is to at least know about the five pillars of Islam and the six articles of faith belief in Allah belief in the prophets of God belief in the books of Allah belief in the uh, angels belief in uh, life after death and belief in fate and predestination and then the concept the first pillar of Islam Shahada what it means uh, what is Shahada itself the basic conviction and the belief of Allah and the message of Rasulullah and the proclamation of faith. Then the second pillar and the uh, salah, and then the third pillar, siyam, fasting, fourth pillar, zakat, and the fifth pillar, hajj. So if somebody is well versed in these um, six and five, 11 things, that is at least a starting point for them. Because if they are not aware of these, uh, these 11 things and somebody asks the questions, they'll be blank and they'll be like puzzled. And confuse how to answer that so that is a bare minimum basic thing uh, going more in deep in in depth of this knowledge that is extra for the person and they can like i said in the earlier part of my presentation that some of the prerequisites for a day one of them is to constantly seek knowledge constantly read books watch videos you know listen to lectures constantly enhance their knowledge of Islam and by through a variety of means today in the social media and in the technological era there is no bars and no hurdles in uh, enhancing a person's knowledge in a wide spectrum of things.
0: Zahkullah thank you. Um, Last question is, um, let me see. You can can hear my answers,
1: right? The other people in the audience?
0: Yes, sir. Everybody can hear your answer, alhamdulillah. Uh, And the last question is, um, again, it's how do you address this uh, idea of uh, Thanksgiving? I mean, what's wrong with it? Why shouldn't Muslims celebrate Thanksgiving?
1: It's a ritual. It's a practice. And uh, for us, like I said earlier in the answer to the question, for us everything is mandated through the Sunnah or Prophet Muhammad So, um, because Thanksgiving is like a worship, a spiritual thing, so it has to be something that is in line with the practices of Prophet Muhammad and his followers if they haven't done that. But yes, if somebody wants to look at it from a secular point of view, just an abstract way of uh, you know, giving thanks to God and that's a separate thing. Again, the reason we explain to them that we don't worship or we don't uh, practice that is because it's not part of our worship, but rather we give thanks uh, all around the year. Uh, as an American Muslim living in this country, uh, when it comes to the aspects of religious worships and all that, we have to confirm to the two basic sources uh, of, of law in Islam, which is the Quran and the Hadith. Uh, But uh, when it comes to any other traditional things like, you know, 4th of July, celebrating 4th of July, going to see fireworks, that's nothing to do with religion or any spirituality or worship. So that's a separate thing. But when it comes to Thanksgiving or Halloween or Christmas, that is a religious aspect attached to it. There's a a religious uh, paradigm to it. So therefore, Practicing that or celebrating that or you know following that would give a skewed message to people in terms of um, The concept of Tawheed that on one side we say we believe in the oneness of God But if God has not ordained that thing in such a way then we are Showing contradiction in our belief system
0: thank you. Um, I just wanted to mention um why Islam actually has a presentation on YouTube about uh, Thanksgiving in, in Islam. Uh, it, it's by uh, one of the sheikhs from Canada. It's a very good presentation. It's only about ten minutes long, and I posted it in the uh, question and answer for everyone if they wanted to go and look at it. Inshallah, uh, Sheikh. Uh, people wanted to know as well. I'll finish with this: is if they can have your uh, copy of your presentation, if you can. Uh, maybe send it to me and they can, um, or if you wanted to put up your email address on the screen so they can uh, uh, request it from you, up to you.
1: Yeah, I can send the presentation, it's gonna be $50 a piece, so whoever yeah, can pay right. that. Yeah, all right, <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. So it's not going, that $50 is not going to me, it's going to YSLAM, so we need there to generate a funds for that. Yeah, donation, if you can donate to YSLAM. Uh, but again, that's just suggested. I'm just joking. <laughs> I can hey, give it to so, you okay. free. Inshallah, I'll send it to you, Azad, and you can send it to all of them, Inshallah. Okay,
0: thank you. And, if, yeah. and, if, if,
1: if you, and it's, it's very simple. If you want to request from me, it's just my first name, Jawad, at yslam.org. So you can just send me an email at Jawad, J-A-W-A-D, at and I'll email it back to you. And I want to just take this opportunity for all these 104 people I see right now. See, we are constantly in need of volunteers, um, especially on the hotline. Our YSAM hotline is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And since I'm managing that hotline, you know better brothers that we're always constantly looking for volunteers. So even if you are a novice or an apprentice or a newcomer in Dawa, uh, we will train you, we'll recruit you. So if you want to volunteer sometime, the reason the hotline is so attractive, you don't have to go outside in the mall, in the parking lot or in a park or somewhere to you know, talk to somebody about Islam. You could be sitting in the comfort of your own home you could be lying on your bed or on your sitting on your couch and a phone rings you pick up the phone you say thank you for calling why sam how can i help you somebody asks you a question and voila you're giving Dawa on the phone so and you give at your own flexible hours from the comfort of your home or even wherever you want to be so because it's all a computer-based uh, pbx system so the calls are routed from the computer from new jersey to your cell phone so, if any of you are interested in volunteering on the hotline, again, just send me an email, and we'll take it from there. Jawaadwisdom.org.
0: Thank you, khair. I sent your email to everyone. Uh, okay, Inshallah, if you can finish up with a closing uh, dua, Inshallah, we'll end. Jazakallah first.
1: Okay, my good, Inshallah. So, we'll start with the dua. Rabbana aatinafid dunyain. Hassen o filah filati. Hassen opana ربنا لينت ودلوبه النبادي تنور ربنا برحمن اللهم منا الله الله